Bible and turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 2, the book of Habakkuk, and if it'll help you any, that's right after Nahum. You're welcome. <laughs> There's no, your, your table of contents is your friend in times like this as you find the book of Habakkuk. Uh, Kenneth and choir and Casey and praise team, instrumentalists, thank you so much for that time of worship. I really could uh, just shut my Bible. We could go home. But uh, some of you would like that, and others of you would email me tomorrow complaining about it. So uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and proceed with our study from the Word of God. Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to spend a few weeks in this little book of Habakkuk, this three-chapter long book. And I think that God will teach us some things from that. You know, most uh, Bible books open up with a nice little salutation. Uh, you'll see Paul opening up some of his letters saying, greetings to all the saints that are gathered in this little place. I, I just want you to know that I love you. And in fact, I've been thinking about you so much, I've written a, a prayer for you. And I just want to voice that prayer over you in this letter. And there's this, uh, th th this nice tone and, and this wonderful outset of a book. And Habakkuk doesn't quite open like that. Habakkuk, the book, opens up by saying, oh, Lord, how long should should I cry for help and, and you're not going to hear? I mean, Habakkuk opens up with an accusatory question. Habakkuk opens up with a complaint. Habakkuk was Baptist after all. <laughs> but the book of Habakkuk is kind of like this, this journal that we're able to see that that he writes a complaint to God and, and he says, God, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I don't like. And and I, that's what I don't understand. And, and God replies back to him, Habakkuk, you need to have faith. I need you to trust me. And Habakkuk says again in a second complaint, well, God, I still don't like what I'm seeing. And I, I don't understand what's happening around me. And God says, Habakkuk, you need to learn how to trust me. Just trust in me. I have a plan. And by the time we get to the end of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk realizes that God indeed does know more than him, that God indeed does have a better understanding standing than him and that God indeed is worthy of his faith. And so we're going to see that in this book of Habakkuk, there is a theme that emerges and that theme very simply is a theme of faith and a theme of trust. And so the title of the message this morning as we kind of jump off into this book is the foundation of faith because the foundation of that faith is what will carry us through those moments when we need to have faith. You know, it's, it's not hard to find faith when you don't need it. It's not hard to find faith when everything's going well. It's not hard to have faith when the bills are being paid. It's not hard to have faith when there's no one in the hospital. It's not hard to have faith when you don't have to go to the funeral home or stand at the cemetery or stand by the casket of a loved one. It's not difficult to have faith in those times. But the problem is life consists of moments where we do have to have those experiences. Life consists of moments when there is more bill than there is bank account. Life consists of moments when there is sickness and there is hurt and there is death and there is fear. And it's in those times, if we don't already have a foundation of faith, it's going to be difficult. The time to find your faith is before you need to have faith. The, the, the time to exercise faith is before you find yourself in a situation which requires faith. And the book of Habakkuk is a book about faith. It's a book about trust. 
Habakkuk begins by asking a question of God. Habakkuk begins by God saying, or by Habakkuk saying to God, what are you going to do about this situation? And God reverses the question and asks Habakkuk, how are you going to trust me in the midst of this situation? Habakkuk had to learn how to trust God, even when he didn't understand what God was doing. Habakkuk had to learn to trust God even when he did not like what God was doing. Habakkuk had to learn to trust God when he had more questions than he had answers. He had to learn to trust God even when the faith of all those around him was faltering as well. The theme verse of the book of Habakkuk, I believe, is found in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. And what I want us to do this morning is focus on this verse, but not just as it is here in Habakkuk, but I want to show you how this verse lays the foundation for faith that we see all throughout Scripture. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, this is God responding to Habakkuk's second complaint. And God says this in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by his faith. Therein lies the theme of this book. Let's understand at the outset, and I really don't have a whole lot of points. It's a pointless sermon, I guess some could say. But I want us to, to look through before we dive into the text itself. I, I want to try to define faith for us because if that is the theme of what Habakkuk is speaking of, and especially as it relates in the context of the book of Habakkuk, to understand a little bit more about faith. You see, faith must be anchored to truth. Faith must have an object. Everyone in here has faith. It's just a question of what that faith, well, of the anchor of that faith. Faith must have an object. And the faith that Habakkuk is going to tell us and teach us about is that it is a faith that must be anchored to the truth. That object upon which we anchor our faith is defined by truth. Faith does not operate on opinions or conjecture or speculation, but truth. When we then are exposed to that truth, faith must then accept that truth. You see, once exposed to truth, you must accept that truth if it's going to be faith. Not fight it, not resist it, but accept it. And once that faith is anchored to truth, and once that faith accepts the truth, faith must then trust that truth. Faith, at its bottom line, the brass tacks of it all, faith is trusting Jesus as he is revealed in Scripture, then living as if Jesus were God and if his word was true because he is God and his word is true. You see, faith is, uh, I'm not an electrician, nor the son of one, nor the grandson of one. I don't even know if all my family has it right now. But when I flip on a light switch, there is a truth that when I flip on a switch, a light's going to come on. That's truth. Now, <clears throat> I don't understand how it works. 
I don't understand how the circuits work. I don't understand how the power works. I don't understand how my flick of that switch sends off something and makes something else happen. But I'm just going to accept the truth that when I flip a light switch, if everything's working right, a light is going to come on. I'm going to accept that truth and I'm going to trust that truth so that when I walk into a dark room, I'm going to flip on a light switch. This is a Baptist. Let me, let me, let me whoop, whoop, whoop back this up. I don't know how a black cow eats green grass, gives white milk, turning to yellow butter. <laughs> now you're with me. I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass, makes white milk, turning to yellow butter, but pass me a filet mignon and with a baked potato with some butter. Amen. Bless God. <laughs> or maybe we look at it this way. God has told us that regardless of circumstances, he is in control. God's told us that. That is a truth. Now, I may not always understand that truth, and I may not always be able to comprehend that truth, but if I'm going to have faith that God is in control, that I'm going to accept that truth, and I'm going to trust that truth even when I can't understand it. See, throughout history, God has lit a wick to certain scriptures that have exploded. And Habakkuk 2.4 is one of those. Here is this one verse by this man that, truth be told, I spelled his name wrong and right all week long. That he have two B's and one A and one K or whatever. By this man that nobody really knows, spell check in today's computer, doesn't recognize Habakkuk, no matter how you spell it. And yet hear these words by this one man that have become the foundation of faith. This is the foundation of what the Old Testament teaches us about God. It's the foundation of what the New Testament teaches us about God. God speaks to Habakkuk. This is not Habakkuk speculating about God. It's God revealing himself to Habakkuk. God shows up and God says something. And every time you and I pick up this blessed book, every time we pick up the scriptures, we're in the same position. God has spoken a word to us because God has got something to say and God wants us to read his word his truth God wants us to trust his truth to accept it and God wants us to act upon what he's called us to do and the beauty of Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 is you don't have to guess what God wants he plainly tells us what his desire is per Habakkuk 2 4 there are two kinds of people in this world if you want to clear all the clutter if you want to clear all the junk if you you want to clear all the religion, if you want to clear all the philosophies, if you want to clear all the isms, we can boil it down to this reality. There are two people in this world, people who trust themselves and people who trust God. There are people who have faith in them and there are people who have faith in God. And what God says in Habakkuk 2.4 is that people who trust themselves are proud. They're puffed up. They're full of themselves. They think they're better than they are. They think they know more than they really do. God says, trust me because I'm trustworthy. Six centuries after God speaks through Habakkuk, this great truth of God was 
spoken to another man who gripped his heart. This man's name was Saul. Saul was a man who was so full of himself. Saul was a man who was puffed up. Saul was a man who fits the first part of verse 4. His soul was puffed up. Per Philippians 3, Saul had it all together. Paul, Saul was just as religious as he could be. But one day, he met the Lord. One day, God got a hold of him. One day, he had an encounter with Jesus. And the truth of Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 changed his life. He came to believe that the righteous cannot live by what he does. The righteous must live by faith. He spent uh, considerable time following Jesus. He changed his name from Saul to Paul. Most of our New Testament is written by this man, and he repeats Habakkuk 2.4 in two of his letters. And if you believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, you can say that author there repeats it as well. Look at what he says, and the verse will be on your screen in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In the book of Galatians, he's writing to a church, and Paul says in Galatians 3.11, Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Don't miss that. No one is justified before God by the law. Paul, this man who kept the law meticulously as a Pharisee, no one is justified before God by the law. Why? For the righteous shall live, not by the law, the righteous shall live by faith. I've got some good news for you this morning that's going to build the foundation of our faith for all seasons of life. I do not have to be moral enough to earn. Jesus. I don't have to be righteous enough. I don't have to do enough religious stuff. I don't have to do X amount of good deeds for the gospel to be powerful in my life. All I need to do is trust Jesus. The reason I don't have to fill in the blank to be accepted by God is because Jesus was good and perfect and God accepts me when I trust Jesus. Jesus takes my death and gives me his life. He takes my distance from God and he gives me his closeness with God. No one is justified before God by the law because the righteous shall live by faith. See, the whole point of the law is to show us how crooked we are. The whole point of the law is to show us how bent we are. The whole point of the law is to show us how rebellious we are so that we'll stop trusting in ourselves and begin trusting in Jesus. And if you don't believe that the law shows us how rebellious we are, I've seen some of y'all drive. <laughs> You've heard my thesis on driving in the city of Milton on Highway 90 at the red light of Stewart Street 90 and also trying to turn lanes in Milton. Lord help us about revival. The law teaches us on every hand that we are sinners. 
You see, the law forces us to throw up our hands in surrender and defeat to self so we can experience victory through faith in Jesus Christ. We say, God, I can't do it. Good news, God says, you don't have to do it. Jesus did. God, I can't be good enough. You don't have to be good enough. Jesus was. God, I can't do enough. You don't have to do enough. Jesus did it all. This is foundational and key. This is the meat of the message. Not the end of it, but this is the meat of this message. Listen carefully. If we trust Jesus with our salvation and truly surrender any hope that we have in ourselves to him, if we trust him with that, then we can trust Jesus in any and every situation that comes up in our lives between the moment of our salvation and the moment we inherit our eternity. Now that does not mean that life will be easy. It does not mean that life will be understandable. It does not mean that we will not have questions. But what that means is that it's possible to have faith that the same God who saved you is the same God who will sustain you. And if he saves you only to let You suffer in this life with no hope. That's not a savior. And Habakkuk is going to teach us that if we can trust in him as our savior, we can also trust in him as our sustainer. You may be in circumstances that are difficult. You may be going through something right now that is a deep, deep valley. Maybe you've been there for a while. God has something for you to say. He has something to say to you for you to hear so you can say that the righteous will live by faith. You see, Paul uses this verse in in some of his writings, but then the author of Hebrews also uses this verse. Hebrews chapter 10 It's going to be on your screen. For you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Until the one who is promised is coming, we, his righteous people, we live by faith. As followers of Jesus, having faith is is similar to that experience of manna in the Old Testament. How that when they needed that manna, God supplied that manna. But what he gave him on day one, they couldn't use it on day two. Listen, I want you to understand me this morning. Trusting God yesterday is not enough to carry you into tomorrow. You have to trust God every day because life changes and circumstances changes, but but faith in God, that does not change. So the author of Hebrews says, trust God until you see his word made true. Trust 
Jesus until you see him. Either he comes back or you go to meet him, but you trust him until you see him. Then your faith becomes sight. Until then, until then, walk with him. See, for many of us, for all of us in this room today, your life is a film, and right now you are 10 minutes into it. Don't throw your hands in the air and walk out because you don't like the ending because what you're seeing is not the ending. What you're going through right now is not the end. The most difficult thing you'll ever experience on this earth, if you follow Jesus, the most difficult thing you will ever experience on this earth is as close to hell as you'll ever get. And there is coming a day as the righteous live by faith. There's coming a day that that faith will be made sight. So whether you are on top of a mountain or whether you are deep in the valley or somewhere in the middle, the message of God is the same. Trust me. Once you trust Jesus, keep trusting him until you see him when your faith will be made sight. Here's how I want us to close today by me just saying one or two more words. I want to speak to two groups of people today. Those two groups that it all boils down to. People who have faith in themselves and those who have faith in God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today you need to trust him. Your trust needs to be in Jesus, not yourself. Your faith needs to be in his death in his burial and resurrection, not on your morality, not on your spirituality, not on your good deeds. Let's just ponder for just a second. If it was possible to do good to get into heaven, how much good would you have to do to be gooder than Jesus? Stop trusting in it. Stop trusting in yourself. I've met some wonderful people 28 years ago today, or tonight actually, on October 10th, 1993, I was sitting in the back pew of a church at Corinth Baptist Church in Ralston, Arkansas, Bodco, Arkansas. We don't claim the big city. And that night was the night I surrendered my life to gospel ministry, and I preached my first sermon the next Sunday. And I have met some good, good people. I met a few nutcases along the way. I pastored a few as well, and a few of my people I pastored had a pastor like that at times as well. But I have yet to meet a Savior. I have yet to meet a person who's done good enough to make it without Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus, would you stop trusting yourself and just trust in him. So I speak that to those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus, that today would be the day that you, tr that you stop trusting self and you start trusting Jesus. 
If you're here today and you've already placed that trust in Jesus, may I just encourage you, implore you this morning to keep trusting. Trusting Jesus for salvation, a one-time deal, does it? Trusting Jesus to help you make it through every day requires you to trust him to make it through every day. Don't worry about what steps you're going to take tomorrow. Trust Jesus to help you take a step today. The foundation of our trust is wrapped in our relationship with Jesus. If you trust him with your soul, why would you not trust him with everything else? If he can take care of my eternity, then he can take care of anything that comes up between my eternity, inheriting it, and today. So in just a second, we're going to pray. After we pray, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe this morning you've realized that you've been trusting in yourself. You've been trying to do good enough, and it becomes apparent that doing good enough is not going to be good enough. Would you just confess your need for Jesus this morning, right where you are, and ask him to be your Savior? After I pray, this altar will be open. You can pray in your pew. You can pray in this altar. If you are having trouble and struggling with faith, go back to the foundation. Go back to that time when you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior because if he's your Savior, he must be your sustainer because he cannot tell a lie. He must be true to his character. I don't know what God has called you to do, And as I say almost every Sunday, and will say every Sunday, God allows me to be behind this pulpit. My only request is for you to put a yes on the table to whatever God's placing before you today. Would you bow with me? Father God, as we place ourselves in your presence this morning, we realize that life requires us to have faith. And for some, that faith, it may be well-intentioned, but it's misplaced. You teach us in your word that it's impossible to please you without faith, but that you reward those who seek you through faith. So whatever situation we are in this morning, I pray we would move and step toward faith. Whether that's confessing our sins and asking Jesus to be our Lord and Savior or whether that's asking for your sustaining power in our lives. Whatever you're calling us to do today, Father, may we simply trust in you because there is not one time that you failed us. Not one time that you've let us down and you don't plan on starting today. So help us to trust you. Have your will and your way in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.